Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's good to be here in Portswood Church. And I hope you've been enjoying the summer season of Psalms. We're continuing that season today with Psalm 67 that we've just had read, read to us. And over the last, I suppose, three or four years, I've come to relish and enjoy and value the Psalms more, I think, than I have done in my past life, as it were, and I've been living quite a long time. But the Psalms are really very special. They've been a central part of worship, both community worship like here in church and also in individual devotion for many, many years. They were sung or recited by Jews in the temple and Jews in the synagogue from Old Testament times onwards until this very day. And in Christian churches, for over 2,000 years, they have been a central part of worship. It's only perhaps recently that we've neglected them as an integral part of our services. Jesus and his disciples would be familiar with many of the Psalms. In fact, they probably knew most of them by heart. So I wonder how many you could recite if you were asked. Perhaps one Psalm 23, others you might be familiar with. Perhaps that's a challenge. So anyway, Psalms are songs and prayers full of worship, of gratitude, of questions, of repentance, and celebration of God's amazing deeds in history. And they offer us today an honest and a creative way of us communicating with God. As we see the psalmists pouring out their emotions, their pain, their joy, and all their confusion to God. So let us recognise also that our emotions are as relevant today as it was to them many years ago. The Psalms are really very special and a real positive input into our life with Jesus and our worship. So as we come to look at Psalm 67, shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these Psalms, for these songs which we find in the Bible. We thank you for the people over the centuries who've used them in their worship. And we pray now this morning that as we look at this psalm, you will teach us, that you will challenge us, and that you will inspire us in our worship and in our devotion. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we are looking at, as we said, Psalm 67. It's a psalm which focuses very much on the words blessing and praise. Blessing and praise. Blessings come from God. And praise should be our response to God's blessing. God blesses us and we are called to praise him. Blessings and praise. So let's consider God's blessings. Verse 1 reads, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. That reminds us of Numbers, the, the book of Numbers, earlier in the Bible, chapter 6 and verse 24, where we read, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you 
and the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This was the familiar priestly blessing that Aaron and then his sons after him used to bless the children of Israel down through the centuries. Now, when you meet someone, you are aware of facial expressions. You remember how hard it was in time of COVID? We had those masks on, and you didn't really know what people were thinking. You could perhaps just see their eyes, unless they had dark glasses on. But you couldn't see whether they were looking happy or grumpy, whether they were pleased to see you, or whether they were annoyed. But normally that's not the case, is it? As we go up to someone, we normally get some idea of how they're feeling and thinking about us. Do they have time for us? Or do they actually want to move on? They're going somewhere and they're in a hurry. Do you know that when we come to God, he is already looking out for us. He is smiling on us. He is looking towards us with pleasure. He's never too busy. He's never too tired. He desires to spend time, yes, quality time, with us. And he focuses on us. And it says he smiles on us. If you think about a smile, when someone smiles at you, it has a big effect, doesn't it? It makes you feel better. Even if it's a stranger in the road who just smiles, you think, oh, they've smiled. And then you start smiling. I tell you, there's power in a smile. And it can change people's ways of thinking about themselves and the world. For God, we are special. And I want you to remember that today, never to forget it. We are all special to God. The God, the creator, who made the heavens and the universe, delights in you. He delights in you. And he rejoices in your presence. As we come to him this morning to worship him, he is delighted. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? That the creator of the universe is so keen and eager for us to come to him. And he is the God who is the source of all blessings. Blessings. All that is good, all that is beautiful, all that is worthy in this world comes from God. That's where it all starts. That's where goodness starts. Beauty starts, where worthiness starts, with our God. As James tells us in his letter, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. It doesn't start down here and gradually grow up. It comes from above. And Paul writes to the Ephesians saying much the same. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. God blesses us by pouring out his goodness and his kindness, his love and his compassion on us. He initiates blessing. It all starts with God. And then in verse 2 we read, so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. God's salvation. We're familiar, aren't we, with the call to save things and to save people. 
who remember the well-known SOS, which is used in emergencies, Save Our Souls. There's a fund for Save the Children Fund. We hear about saving the endangered species on our planet, saving our rainforests. We and our world are all and always in need of being saved. The thing about being saved and needing to be saved is it's something we can't do for ourselves or by ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We need someone else to come and rescue us. We've had that those in the news recently, haven't we, about, about those who were trapped up in that cable car in, above a ravine in Pakistan. They were in desperate need of being saved, but they couldn't save themselves. They needed somebody else, some other people, to come and to save them, to rescue them, and to get them to safety. We all need someone to save us, and the Jews... The psalmists were very aware that they could not save themselves, that they needed their God to save them. They needed God to intervene on their behalf. And that's what Hosanna means. Lord, save us. And we've been singing it this morning. How many times did we say the word Hosanna or sing it? I don't know. An awful lot of times. Lord, save us, we were singing. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Because we can't save ourselves. We need God. And this psalm reminds us that God is the source of our salvation. He is the only one who can save us from our deepest needs. He'd saved the Jews and rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And they often recorded that. And still today, they celebrate that saving that was done by God for them. He saved them from their enemies many, many times. They would turn away from God and get into difficulty. Then they cry out to God, and he saved them yet again. And today, today, we know in a way that is completely unknown to the psalmist how God in Christ has saved us. He saved us from sin and from death. And we can be forgiven, and we can be acquitted because of the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. He can also save us from our fears and from despair or for whatever it is that seems to enslave us and hold us back. Salvation and forgiveness are included in that multitude of blessings that we can receive from God. My grandmother, many years ago this is obviously, used to encourage us to count our blessings and to name them one by one. It comes from a hymn, an old hymn. Some people may remember it. For some of the younger ones, you may never have heard it. It goes, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. This is a very therapeutic exercise when you're not feeling super positive about yourself. It really is. It's easy to think that we receive no blessings, that everything and everyone is against us, and that we've been hard done by, until, until we begin to think of the good things that we have received. Food. Most of us have food today. We have homes. We have friends. We have health 
or more or less help. At least all of us here today are healthy enough to come to church. We have a regular income. May not always feel like enough, but we have money coming in. There's always some good news around if you look for it. And we do live in a peaceful land, something that's not true for many millions in the world today. And the psalmist, right at the end, especially mentions the harvest. He says right at the end, the land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. In our modern society, we've become a bit removed from the production of our food, haven't we? We just go to the supermarket, just down the road or across the road, and get whatever it is that we want and feel we need. But when we think about it, all the food comes from the earth and primarily from God, who causes the the plants and the animals to grow. God has provided that food for us, and without food, we're physically, we would physically perish. God provides what we need, and he is the one who sustains us. All these blessings that I've just mentioned ultimately come from our God. It's good to count them. So when you've got nothing else to do, you can start counting them. And sometimes when you do that, you feel very different at the end of it. Not downcast, not miserable, or sorry for yourself. In verse 1, we also read that first line. It is, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Gracious to us and bless us. Grace is something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve these blessings that God has given to us. We have not earned them. We don't merit anything from God at all. They are not ours by rights. And in today's world, so many people talk about their rights rather than their responsibilities. But actually, all these gifts that we've been talking about, they come from God because he loves us. Not because we deserve them. Rather, God lavishes them on us because of his amazing grace and his compassionate love for us. He loves us so much that he blesses us. No wonder our response should be a heartfelt gratitude for all that he's done and should be demonstrated in sincere and exuberant praise. As the psalmist then declares... Having said God is gracious to us, implying that we don't deserve all this, and yet God has done it, let all the people praise him. Yes, let all the people praise him. And to make sure, just to make sure that we've heard it, he repeats it four times in this short psalm. Yes, let all the people praise him. Our lives should be full of praise and gratitude for all the blessings that we've received. And we really started this service, didn't we, with a time of praise and gratitude. And that's how it should be in our lives. So God is the one who blesses, and we are the ones, undeservingly, who receive it and should respond with praise. But then, what is the purpose of all God's blessing? Why does he do it? Yes, he loves us, he cares for us, 
But if we look at verse 2 and look at 7, we find out why he does this. It says that in both verses, it says, so that, verse 2, so that your ways may be known on earth. And verse 7, so that all the ends of the earth may fear or reverence him. The purpose of God blessing us and all people is that all people should know about him and praise him. From Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible and onward, God makes it quite clear that his blessings are for every people group, for every nation, for every culture, and for every family on earth. God wants everyone to be blessed. When he called Abraham many years ago, again back in Genesis, to follow him, and to walk in his ways. He promised him that if he did, he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's purposes in blessing his people is so that through them, all people, all nations and the earth will be blessed. It's something that is passed on. Make me a channel of your blessing. In fact, 12 times in this little psalm, the writer mentions peoples, nations, and earth, etc. 12 times. 12 times in that little verse. Because God has a global perspective and focus for his blessing. Nothing and no one is omitted from his longings and desires to bless this world. And God is the one who blesses, and our response should be to praise him. And through our praises, other people will hear about our God. Blessings causes praises, which is then infectious, and we pass it on to others. So yes, this is a psalm very much about blessing and praise. But let's look a little bit at the structure of this psalm. Because most psalms, or uh, they were written in Hebrew and Hebrew poetry, have a definite structure to them. There are all sorts of different structures in the psalm. But this psalm, like others, many other psalms and some of the parables of Jesus, is structured like a sandwich. Now, I'm sure you all know what a sandwich is. It's summertime. You've probably perhaps been for a picnic, been to the common or something, and you've taken a sandwich with you. You know what you've got? Two pieces of bread, some butter, and some jam or ham or something in the middle. So the first two and the last two verses of this psalm focus on God's blessing. I'll read you the first two and the last two. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The land yields its harvest, God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so all the ends of the earth will fear him. They, that's all about blessing and it's the bread on the outside, top and bottom of our sandwich, that holds it all together. And then verse 3 and 5 focus on the call to praise God, to be grateful for the blessing so that all the ends of the earth will honour him. 
So that's a bit like the butter. So you've got that. We know that's repeated four times. And then in the middle, we've got the jam or the ham or whatever you fancy, where it says, May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations on earth. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations on earth. This is a picture that is looking forward to the ultimate kingdom of God, to the kingdom when Jesus returns and ultimately reigns supreme, when he is over all, where he is ruling with justice, that's equity, and with fairness, where he guides and directs the nations on how to live and how to function and how to work together. And of course, from Jesus' teaching, we actually have a much clearer idea of some of the amazing principles of that coming kingdom. The psalmist didn't know all that we know, but because of Jesus, we do. We're told that there will be no more tears or crying. There will be no more sickness or death. Where those who mourn are comforted, where captives are set free, where the pure in heart will see God, and we shall live together in unity, in peace and joy in the very presence of our Lord and Saviour. Right at the heart of this psalm is that vision, not very clear at the time, of that coming kingdom that we still today look forward to and wait for. Today we live in what we might call the already but not yet age. The kingdom of God has been established through Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. Remember, he said, the kingdom of heaven has come. It's come to earth. And when Jesus went back to heaven, we have been sent out and entrusted to grow it and to increase it. We are commissioned to pass on to others what we ourselves have already received. We have been blessed. We've been thinking about that. We've been blessed. So we should now go and bless others. We have been forgiven. So we should now go and forgive others. We have received mercy. So we should be merciful. We are loved and we are accepted by God. And we should love and accept others. And we have heard the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, and we should pass that on to others. We should be channels of this good news. And as we are, so little by little, the kingdom of God is proclaimed and the kingdom of God will grow. A kingdom which is founded on the death and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Not on us, not on our strategies, not on our skills, not on our amazing ways of speaking or presenting the good news, but on Jesus, the truth of Jesus. And so, bit by bit, slowly, the kingdom is established here on earth. And the praise of God's people and response to his blessings encourages that growth. As you come into church, if people are full of 
talking about God's blessing and praising him, it, it encourages you to do the same. If you all come here feeling miserable and down, it doesn't do much to encourage you to go and share the good news with other people. So, the praises of God's people should help believers to see that God is at work in his church. At least they should do, shouldn't they? Do people see God at work here in Portswood Church? So we read, don't we? So that all your ways may be known on earth. That's what the psalmist was keen about. The psalmist was really passionate that God's message and gratitude should be given to him for all his blessings. Are you as passionate about making the name of Jesus known and worshipped and recognised and respected in our world? One great psalmist you'll all know was David. David, the young shepherd who became king of Israel. You'll remember how he was made famous when he, for killing a giant Goliath with a sling and a stone. It's one of the famous stories in Sunday school, isn't it? You know it from tiny years up. Yes, the Philistines and the Israeli armies were facing each other, ready for battle. One on one side of the valley, one on the other side of the valley. And then Goliath comes out, great big guy, and he challenges someone to come and fight with him. David was just a little shepherd boy or a young shepherd boy at the time, and he offered to go and take Goliath on. Goliath, we read, was challenging and defying the army of Israel. The Israeli soldiers, they were terrified. They saw him as defying and threatening their nation. But listen to what David said as he went up to take on Goliath. He said, you come against me with sword and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, whom you have defied. I will strike you down, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David was not looking for honour for himself. He was not looking for victory for his nation. He was not wanting praise from the king or his countrymen. David was passionate about honouring the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel. He was passionate about honouring his God, about being full of praise for his God. That's what motivated him. That's what motivated him that day in where that battle was taking place. It motivated him as he became a soldier in the army. Later, it motivated his role as king. And it's also the motivation of much of his psalms. He wanted God's name to be honoured and glorified, not just where he was, not just in Israel, but throughout the world. And as we've looked at this psalm today, it challenges us, I think, to think about carefully what really matters to us in our lives. What are our priorities? What are we passionate about? What motivates us? And when we're, if you're given space and time to think about what is of greatest importance in your life, I wonder what you would think. I wonder what you would put down. 
you were asked to write a list of the priorities in order of importance. I wonder what you would put down. I mean, is following Jesus, for you, just a Sunday activity? Do you come here on Sundays and you worship and you feel good and you have chats and you have a cup of coffee and you go away and you're pleased and you feel good? And then tomorrow morning you wake up, oh dear, it's Monday, and Jesus gets left out a bit. Or do we seek, as we go out on Mondays, to bring praise and honour to his name, whether at work, whether at home among our families, whether we're just visiting friends, going shopping, I don't know what you might be doing tomorrow. But will Jesus be part of it? Will he still be a priority in your life? Do we use our time? Do we use our money? Do we acknowledge our gifts and abilities are for him and for his praise and for his glory? Can we use those things for him? And if we do, then it may be that others will recognize us and will acknowledge the blessings and the love of God that is demonstrated in our lives and seek after him for themselves. I want to finish with just a description of Portswood Church. Did you know there's one in the Bible? Portswood Church in the Bible. Well, it's part of the Church of Christ, isn't it? This is what Peter the Apostle says about you. Is it true? I hope it is. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. So that, remember those so that's reasons, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. May God bless each one of you as you go out into this coming week. And may you all return next Sunday having received his blessing and praising him for all that he has done for you and through you. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for that psalmist who wrote that psalm. I thank you for all that we can learn from it. And we pray that as your special people, blessed abundantly by you, we might be people full of praise and that our praise may affect those around us and that through that your name may be known here in Portsmouth, throughout Southampton and perhaps to the ends of the earth. We long, our Father God, to know that Jesus is reigning and that his kingdom is coming and growing and we look forward to that day when it will all be fulfilled at his return. So bless us, we pray. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May his face shine upon us. And may he be gracious to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.